and welcome. I am your host, Coach Debbie, and I'm bringing you Story You Talk Radio here at 11.50 a.m. in Seattle, Washington. Thank you for reserving this hour with me for perhaps your drive home at 4 o'clock on Thursday. I'm here every Thursday at 4, and you can always capture the replays on, I guess they're not technically replays, they're more like podcasts, on iTunes, and you can also subscribe to Podcast One. Uh, That's just one word, Podcast One, or on iTunes to catch our show. My whole MO here is to help you dive into the stories you live by, whether it's a love story, a family story, financial story, a business story. And by doing so, my hope is to help you discover your voice around that story and be more expressive and share it in the world. Today I have a guest who is going to join me in just a little bit. She is based in the Seattle area. And a lot of you know that in this year, unlike the previous two years, in this year I'm really focusing on people in Seattle that are making a positive difference that are really conscious about the awakening that we can experience if we are interested in the real truth of our story. Thinking about the idea that that's kind of the path to our truth, we will be talking a little about the heroic journey all the way down to the deep, messy mess that helps us get into the truth of our story. Our guest today is a best-selling author and someone you are going to want to know about. Let me take care of a little bit of housekeeping before we, we go any further. I want to tell you that you can be a sponsor of this show. All you have to do is contact me at my website, and that's www.coachdebbie.com. That's going to allow you to either have me make a commercial for you or we bump it all the way up to giving you studio time where you come in here, you talk about your business, your mission, you take calls. And and this is some some pretty high-end Cadillac studio time. So uh, I have a variety of packages to offer you and I would love to talk to you about those opportunities. That's it. Coach Debbie, D-E-B-B-Y dot com. also want to tell you that my 90-day accelerator program to writing your book is on because this is the year to write your book. If you haven't noticed, 2018 is getting further and further behind us and 2020 is still a long ways away. So I want to encourage you to think about this year, 2019, This is the year to write your book. And if you're serious, I can go alongside you and in front of you to make sure that you start and complete that book. Again, my programs are offered through my website, and that is www.coachdebbie.com. You can always go over to my page called Connect, and we can have a conversation about coaching, programs, your book, being on the show, 
sponsoring anything you would like. I want to thank some people that are always standing behind me when I talk about how important story is to me. There, sometimes those are, there's, you know, those people that are like stories. That sounds like what kids do. Stories is what we adults do through our whole life, let alone what we did as children. It is our connection to our story that I believe allows us to be our most true and most authentic self. Today, I want to thank Annette Bond for a wonderful mastermind one-on-one session that we had earlier this week. I want to thank Jessica Riverson for a one-on-one session we had also earlier this week, along with her husband, Kwaku. And I want to thank Antonio for his ongoing daily reflection of what it means to stand in the truth. And I want to say, Antonio, I am wishing you well as you get on the plane and head out to do your excellent facilitation out there with John Martini. Go, Antonio. So without further ado, let's dive in and meet our guest. I know a lot of you know her already because I have three people writing in with questions for her. Her name is Kelly, and she is the best-selling author of Your Messy Brilliance. And she's going to explain to you how both of these words got into one title. She lives here in the Seattle area. In a moment, she's going to pronounce correctly exactly how we say her last name because I've heard three pronunciations, and I'm not going to be the one to mess it up. She has a lot of experience as a global nonprofit and small business consultant over 20 years at this point. And her commitment as the founder of Women for One is to offer a global community that empowers women to embrace their voices and make life happen on their terms. Think of how often we're told that life can never happen on our terms. Well, she's turning all that around for us. Women for One has a mission, which we're going to learn about right here. A lot of that mission is around truth-telling. She offers a what we call a truth-telling tour. She offers a messy brilliance retreat. And like I said, she has a lovely book, Your Messy Brilliance, And if you want to know the full title of that, I have it somewhere, but that's my messy brilliance. Uh, It has to do with the great seven tools. So we'll have her. Oh, here we go. Seven tools for the perfectly imperfect woman. That would be me. And if you align with that, you can join the other three people who are writing in. I've got my Facebook messenger open. And you can go to either Coach Debbie, and that's D-E-B-B-Y, and send me a message. You can go to my regular Facebook messenger, which is Debbie Handrich. It's just the way it sounds. H-A-N-D-R-I-C-H. And if you're gutsy, and we know, Eric, some people out there are gutsy, they can call in, and that number is one 888 Two nine eight five five six nine. You got it. Oh, jeez. 
Sometimes the memory comes through. One eight eight eight. Thank you. Oh, standing ovation. One eight 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 two nine eight five five six nine. Call in and you can talk with Kelly and me and maybe even Eric. All right, let's go for it. Kelly, how do we say your beautiful last name? Thanks for having me, Debbie. Um, I'm just Kelly McNeilis. I said it right. Okay, this morning while I was holding uh, up my Kindle and bragging to my mastermind group that you were coming on the show, they said McNeilis. And I was like, no, I don't think it is. So anyway, I I didn't want to be the one to say it wrong. Lovely, lovely to have you here. Do you know I've been kind of trying to track you down for about, well, I think it was 2013 I, I first heard about your work with Women for One, and I signed up for your newsletter. Oh, wonderful. That's great. Yeah, it was Annie Burnside <clears throat> in Chicago that uh, linked me up with your work and said, you don't know Kelly, she's in your backyard. So I was... <laughs> I love it. I love Annie Burnside. She's amazing. Yeah, how can we not? Uh, so very, very excited to have you here. And uh, your book came out last year, correct? Yes. Well, no, because it's 2019. It was um, the end of October 2017. It feels like it was just last year. <laughs> yeah. And... And tell us a little bit about the title, just for just for starters here. Your messy brilliance, putting messy and brilliance together. What's that all about? Well, you know, when I was writing my book, it came after I had created Women for One and seen all the powerful stories that women had shared on my site for many years. And the reason I decided to write a book um, was first because people were asking me to kind of write a collection of stories, which I decided in the end that that would be my second book someday soon. Um, but I've always been called messy in my life. I have ADD. Um, a lot of creative people do. I'm, I'm pretty creative in my thinking. Um, and I'm kind of all over the place with my creative thinking. People that work with me um, have to track me because it's kind of messy and go all over the place. But I also, I had a friend a couple years ago say to me, she's very rigid and like very linear about how she would do things. And she's like, how do you get so much done? You're like all over the place. And I used to judge myself for that mess. I used to judge myself for the darkness and the the shadows in my life. And, you know, my low self-esteem came from that. And my belief systems, the stories I told myself came from that. And one day I was like, wait a minute, my mess, my darkness, my shadow, my stories, and, and my crazy ADD mind are the are the road, the pathway, and they are the pathway to and are at the same time my brilliance. And so that's where that title came from, because I think we as women are trying so, so hard to get everything right. And we have so much pressure on us. And I know I did for a long time try to get everything right. And I realized, you know, it's much more, it's much easier to just allow for life to be as it is and get real so that you can find your purpose, passion, and joy in your life and relax a little and not try to get it all right because you can't. It's impossible, as you know. I do know. <laughs> <laughs> I do know. And and I was one of those fearless leaders on the track of 
saying, you know, just today I kind of fell off my path. Tomorrow I'll be back on. Tomorrow I'll be fine. You know, and, mm-hmm. and then a week would go by and I'm like, just just this week I sort of I sort of got off of my direction. But tomorrow you know, tomorrow just check in with me tomorrow. It'll all be fine. And and there was this terrible closet of shame that was getting bigger and bigger and bigger because Somewhere in there, I had adopted that thought that things had to be good and right. And I think you really relate to this because you are admitting to that grand creativity that a lot of us were encouraged to sort of leave behind. Or suppress. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I agree. I completely agree. So if we go go back to before you created Women for One, I, I know mm. that coming into the acceptance of the idea that we are messy in our brilliance was certainly on the forefront of your mind, but but there were there were people along the way that helped you. All of us get some sort of, of direction <clears throat> along the way. What what was a little uh, bit of your journey that you could share with us about leaving the old beliefs behind and coming into the new ones? Well, first, I mean, that's a great question. <clears throat> first and foremost, I'm continually doing that. <laughs> so it's really cyclical for me, um, and it's a process. You know, keep coming back around to addressing your belief systems and your stories from your past. Um, I've done that my whole life, but I think... There are some major milestones that most of us have in our lives, and a lot of times what happens is that that happens around loss or trauma or tragedy, um, and it can happen with excitement, and, you know, stress can come, like they say, from really great things as well. Um, but for me, I, I moved around a lot when I was younger, and I experienced a lot of a lot of issues that many women in this world experience. I, I'm an incest survivor. Uh, from my father, and my father was an alcoholic. Um, I married a very lovely man that I was not attracted to, probably because of the abuse I experienced, and was very unhappy in my marriage. Um, so I left the marriage with three little children, and that I was a burden to bear to make that, that real conscious choice that this wasn't right for me. And... Um, I lost a very, very dear friend, one of my dearest friends, to cancer, like many of us have lost people that we love, and learned a lot from that um, as I was going through my divorce. So really, the turning point you're asking me about before I created Women for One, and um, it was it was actually after my painful divorce and being a single mom for five years and losing my friend that made me really look at life like, what is it I want to be doing now? Like, what do I want out of my life? And how can I make an impact on myself to grow and discover my passion and my purpose and my joy? And also, how can I serve others? So that's really, you know, that's a a story I usually share so people can understand my background and the intention to create what I did with Women for One. Mm, Awesome. Did you enlist any mentors? Um, I've always had mentors. Um. And I also, it's funny, my husband always talks about that. My husband's a very successful, retired businessman. And just a successful, retired man, or human being. He's just an incredibly wise man. I always say he's a lot more mature than I am. He's 10 years older than me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I asked him that question, 
uh, several times, and he's like, I don't have mentors. I have people that I take things from, but you know, I create my own my own mentorship and my own belief system, and I love that about him. Um, and the mentors and the people that I've really looked to for advice and guidance and support have always taught me that same thing, like take qualities and characteristics and support and resources from people that you admire and respect and that, that you really can hold a consciousness greater than yours in certain areas and then to make them your own. And that's kind of what I've done. I, I have a very dear, dear friend. Um, her name is Alima and she, she's been a therapist and an energy healer and she's been in my life for 15 years now. And I would say, try to pick someone that has made the most difference in my life as a mentor would be her. Yeah. Yeah. I understand <clears throat> that. We're just about to take our first break here, but I want to, well, maybe we have to do it because I have a little froggy in my throat. So we're going to be right back. What you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Through the generous support of individuals like you, Trees for the Future has planted over 155 million trees and changed thousands of lives in the last 29 years. With your help, Trees for the Future continues to train thousands of impoverished farming families across Africa to plant their way out of poverty using an agroforestry method called the forest garden. Forest gardens consist of nearly 4,000 fast-growing fruit, nut, and timber trees that thrive alongside climate-appropriate crops surrounded by a living green fence. These forest gardens eliminate hunger in two years, increase household income over 400% in four years, and have changed landscapes from dry lands for monocropping to rich soils supporting over 20 varieties of crops and marketable products. Learn more about how you can be part of these efforts by visiting trees.org radio. That's trees.org radio. Organic, free-range, and fresh daily. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back. This is Story You Talk Radio, and I am your host, Coach Debbie. And the little froggy in my throat is all gone now. So we were talking with Kelly McNellis, and we're talking about this idea of when you want to get really into the truth of your story, you might look toward a mentor or you might look toward the wise words of someone living that you feel like, you know, I can take that idea, mold it, shape it into my own and find another long and windy path that that helps me move along in my life. Kelly wrote the book, Your Messy Brilliance. And she offers seven tools in there to focus on. And we're going we're gonna to 
poke at her and see what we can learn about these tools. We have curiosity, awareness, acceptance, intuition, choice, manifestation, and the infinite roadmap. So I like to think of anything messy and anything brilliant as just part of our heroic journeys. But I feel like Kelly has mapped out this idea so that we understand whatever place we start at, we will find our curiosity. It is our goal to just not, I don't want to say the word goal. It is our, almost our prerogative to be open to that curiosity. So Kelly, will you start us on this path of these tools? And, and I'm just going to let you go at it in any way you would like. Oh, okay. Well, <clears throat> these tools are just, they're just another way of, of off my offering of processing anything small in your life. Like <clears throat> if you have an issue with a relationship or you have to make a choice in work or you ha- or to the greater um, challenges and issues in your life. For example, if you, um, you know, wh- you don't know what you want to do, right? You really are at a transition in your career. These tools have helped me. And they're put in a way that you can apply very easily. Um, you know, our minds are linear. Obviously, the world is messy and it's not linear, but I had to put them in some sort of order. And so when I chose curiosity for the first one, curiosity is probably one of, it was one of my favorite tools. Um, and the reason I chose curiosity first is because it's innate to us. You know, we, we've been curious since we were little. Our minds are wide open when we're little children. And that curiosity kind of, fades away as we get older, we get a little dated, or we, we decide that we know what's best instead of being curious about people, ourselves, situations, the world, and being open to new answers. And I think if you practice that curiosity, and I, I do it in a really unique way in the book and then in the course I have with the book, you can really shift your even your brain synapses so that you can be open to all different types of solutions. So that's kind of where we start. We get curious about our belief systems, about our stories that we've told ourselves, the experiences we've had in our lives and how they've shaped us. And then we ask ourselves, we start asking ourselves the right questions to move into that awareness piece. Because if we don't get curious, we can't move into an awareness piece of what our story and belief systems are and, and how they've shaped us. We get an awareness of that. And that's really important to have. You can't, you can't, you know, have awareness until you ask the right questions. And then taking it through there, moving into acceptance and intuition, that's really, you know, if you, if you look at these tools, the beginning tools are very feminine. They're very feminine-oriented. They're, you know, they're based in emotions and process, right, with accepting where you are. Because I think a lot of times people don't want to look at it. They avoid a challenge in their lives. I know I do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's times where I'm like, okay, I'll look at that tomorrow, you yeah. know, or uh, I don't want to deal with that, right? And so when we get curious and we get aware of what the issue is, then we can move into accepting where we are and what is and taking an inventory of our life a little bit more. I think it's really important to be in that acceptance space because then and only then can we connect with that inner voice. You can call it intuition, you can call it God, you can call it your inner voice. You can call it your guidance and whatever it is. If we're not clear and have accepted and we're not real about where we are in our lives or what the situation is, 
we can't hear that little voice. We're hearing the voice of fear or the what if instead of true guidance and your inner voice about what you need to be doing. And then, Debbie, my favorite tool um, in the whole book is, is choice. Mm. <laughs> choice is big. I, call, I say choice is the differentiator because a lot of us, especially as women, spend a lot of time in process, which is so valuable and important. And we all really need to be able to make effective and conscious choices in our lives to move forward. And a lot of times those choices might not even work. But at least we're trying and we're making a choice based on all the knowledge that we've gathered this far. And so that is where we kind of move into the masculine piece of, of this book, where we're making clear choices and we're getting conscious about what choice we decided to make. And I think that's, that's really important. So do you have any questions up to this point with the pools? Mm, oh, you're doing great. Yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> and, you know, so after choice, you know, once you've made a choice, I, I sift people in, in the next pool. It's about manifestation. And I'm not talking about the secret, you know, you've heard the secret, you know, mm-hmm. you've got to dream, dream it to believe it. I'm actually not a follower of the secret. I'm talking about embodying manifestation. That means you're going to believe that you are what you want to manifest. And, and really, I take uh, the reader through some practices about embodying that manifestation, believing, for example, that you deserve that. And once you've gotten clear on your intuition and made a choice, you can move in to real manifestation in your life true embodiment of manifestation, not just envisioning it, like in the secret where you just envision something, you you know, if you envision it enough, it'll come true. You have to do the work to get there and embody it. And um, what does Oprah say? You know, uh, luck, there's no such thing as luck. It's opportunity. It's, it's preparation plus opportunity at the same time. So, um, and then the last one is action, which which I call the infant roadmap in the, in the chapter, but it's really about taking effective action in our lives and then realizing that, you know, our, our life is an infinite roadmap. It's a journey. There's no destination. It truly is a journey we're going through. And we're going to keep circling around and readdressing the challenges and issues you've had and hopefully get a little bit more conscious and aware every time and be challenged every single time we circle around these different challenges we have in our lives and get more awareness of them. So that's really what the book is about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love this. You've sparked interest with our listener, Marilyn, here. Marilyn wrote in and says, I know I asked a question on your show last week, but can I have another chance? <laughs> of course you can. Um, she says, I don't think of myself as messy or as brilliant. I think of myself Ooh. as a procrastinator, but my mom says I'm just very creative. I can't tell if my procrastination might be my messy side and the creative might be a brilliant side. Is creativity really brilliant? But if it is, what do I do with it? And if that's true, what are my steps? I just keep feeling like there should be steps I should take. Yeah. That's a a great question. Wow. Marilyn. Yeah, Marilyn, you know, I I love that question. There's a lot in that. So I I want to address um, the first thing, the the first part of your question before we get to steps around, you know, taking the messy and the procrastination and the brilliance and and the creativity. So I think for me personally, and I can just speak for myself, um, 
you know, I procrastinate all the time when I don't want to do something. <laughs> or, and, and for a long time, I judged myself about that procrastination. And kind of like I judge myself about being messy, right? So it's not, and when I'm talking about messy, I'm not just talking about like being messy, like a messy purse or clothes, yeah. or I'm talking about just being all over the place. But, yeah. but really, I started accepting, and that's in my book, The Exceptions Piece, right? Mm-hmm. Accepting when I procrastinate as part of my creative process. And as soon as I allowed myself to procrastinate, like literally, I'm not kidding you. Like, I'm not saying procrastinate forever and avoid. I'm not talking about avoiding. But when I would want to sit down and write, and I just constantly avoid it, or like when I need to go write a speech and speak to women like I do, a lot of times I, that speech doesn't come out of me until the day before. And I used to call it procrastination. <laughs> now I've reframed it, Debbie, and, and Marilyn. It's, it's part of my creative process. It still comes out, and I trust it. But I have to just allow for that procrastination because it's almost working itself creatively out inside myself. So that's how I want to speak to your procrastination. I think it is part of your creative process. And and, and also the brilliance also is, you don't have to like create words for words here. Brilliance is part of that as well because your brilliance does come out after you've procrastinated. So that's, I think, the one thing. And I think with the steps, I just talked about these tools and I feel like they are really great steps towards, you know, embracing that messiness, embracing that shadow side of yourself and things that you don't like about yourself, walking through them to discover the brilliance, kind of like a diamond, right? You just polish it and you, you, you do the work and you polish it and it's just this brilliant gem after you've polished it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I picked Marilyn's question because... There was a time in my life where I, I mean, I, I could have made the T-shirt procrastination and just worn it everywhere, and people <laughs> would have said, oh, yeah, that's Debbie. But, but part of the reason I identified with it so much was because I identified with judging myself. I didn't mm-hmm. identify with what is my process. And so here's something I, I would love to share with you I did. When, when I was a new teacher— in the 90s, one of the ways I would deal with the fact that tomorrow I had to get up and, and be present and do it again <laughs> mm-hmm. was I would, I would take the bus from school to downtown, and before I would transfer and take the second bus home, I would walk all over downtown, and I would look at the buildings, and I would look in the windows, and I would go in the stores, and I would look at shoes, and I would touch things, and... I, I kind of got addicted to it. And yeah, sometimes I would shop, but I, I thought at that time I had like a shopping fetish. Uh-uh. I needed to decompress. I needed to decompress mm-hmm. from the day that I had just taught before I could get engaged in the upcoming day that I'm going to be teaching. And, and the creativity of seeing what I see as beauty, you know, architecture, shape, textures, all of that uh, was a way to really decompress and be creative. But I couldn't accept that because I was so busy judging myself and calling it procrastination. And it was just part of my messy brilliance, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. that self-judgment. And it, 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 really, it really throws up blocks in you when you're judging yourself. Um, and it, it, just, it just perpetuates more procrastination or more of that judgment or shame. When you judge, it's, a, it's cyclical, right? Oh, totally, totally. 
I, I've also had student upon student come to me and say, you know, do I, do you think I have a, a learning disability or disorder? I, I can't do my homework until two hours before it's done, even though you lay out this whole process of how we're supposed to do it. I think there's something wrong with me. And I, I don't see that as disorder, and I don't see it as disabled. I, I see it as a process. It's how your brain Absolutely. is working. Yeah, that's your brain working. I think that's wonderful working. you're saying that. Yeah, because everybody, you know, I think are, like we can just get off on the education system. I, I have six children. I have three of my own and three stepchildren. And they're all so different and have such different learning styles. And yeah. one of my children really, he doesn't learn in traditional settings. He, and he's the most brilliant, <laughs> pardon the pun with the word, but he really is probably the most intelligent of everyone because he doesn't subscribe to traditional learning. Mm-hmm. And it's been a real challenge to get through the system because of that. So we really need to allow, first and foremost, for ourselves to have our own unique creative process and not um, try to fit the mold. That's what, you know, let's, let's be weird. Let's do our own thing and set the example for our children in the future. That's right. That's right. We all have our own unique way of going through a very common story. You know, yeah. uh, you you have shared what your childhood was like, and and there are just everybody can say, well, I had my own unique way of going through times where I was completely left, completely shamed, completely alone, completely accepted, completely carefree. We all have our own ways of the common journey that we go through. And I think that's part of what makes your book so wonderful is you're saying, regardless of the way you have journeyed through your life, why not start with a curiosity? Why not begin mm-hmm. right there? I love how yeah, absolutely. The, the end of your chapters have these kind of this three-step way to explore if you want you know, you called them the simple fix, the the digging deeper, or the diving in. And can yeah, you yeah, I, there's a reason I did those yeah. as well, probably because I'm a busy mother of six. Sure. <laughs> and I always read these self help books, and everybody gives these long things, and then I end up judging myself in books for not being able to complete things. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, no, I want to give you know a simple fix like this. It'll take you five minutes, but you're practicing it. And then you can move on if it doesn't resonate with you to do some big dive-in exercise. And that was my intention behind those those three different types of exercises. Simple, you know, the, the, the small, medium, and large choice. Oh, I like that very, very much. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the simple fix isn't really a Band-Aid. It's a get in there, no. understand it, and be done for a bit, yeah? Absolutely. I would never call it a Band-Aid. What I would call it is a lot of times with books I read, I, I reread them another time and I'm at a different place in my life. And so what something resonates with me, like one tool I'm really focused on right now, one theme in my life, I'm like, wow, I really want to journal on this. I want to understand this tool and how I can work it better. And so that's where the diving in is. But simple fix, sometimes you're like, you know, I can just do this and still feel really good about myself that, that I at least practice it for a few minutes and I can move on and maybe some other day I can come back and dive in more. Oh, that's excellent. Well, my dear Mm -hmm. listeners, we are going to take our second break here. And when we come back, we are going to talk about 
Women for One that Kelly founded, the mission, the truth-telling tour, the retreat. We've got a lot to offer you, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Sarcoma. Odds are you've never heard that word before. But for the 40 people diagnosed with sarcoma every day, it is a life-changing word. Life-changing and devastating because sarcoma is cancer. Sarcoma is a cancer of bone and soft tissue more prevalent in children than in adults. More than 6,000 people lose their lives to sarcoma each year. Treatment options for sarcoma are limited and new therapies are desperately needed. More research and increased awareness is necessary to find a cure for a cancer that you probably didn't even know existed until now. Through awareness, advocacy, and research, the Sarcoma Foundation of America is determined to help those affected by this forgotten cancer, to bring hope to the children and adults whose lives are forever changed by a word they had never heard before. Please help us in the fight to find the cure for sarcoma. For more information on sarcoma and the work of the Sarcoma Foundation of America, please go to curesarcoma.org. Every winter, up to 20 million tons of salt are applied to U.S. roads. Road salt can keep drivers safe. But when too much salt is applied on roads, it can pollute streams, kill fish, and increase salt levels in our drinking water. The good news is we can protect water quality and keep drivers safe. You can help. Join the Isaac Walton League's Winter Salt Watch to receive a free stream test kit. Then, simply dip the test strip in your stream to measure the salt level. Use your smartphone to share your results on the Winter Salt Watch map. If the salt levels in your stream are too high, the Isaac Walton League can share ways other communities are reducing salt usage. Ask for your free test kit today. To get yours, Go to saltwatch.org. That's saltwatch.org. An alternative to everything else on your radio dial. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. I am your host, Coach Debbie, and I am delighted that you have reserved this hour to consider the fact that there is a voice in you to discover, and that voice helps you share your story. I am based in the Seattle area where I offer one-on-one coaching as well as a 90-day accelerator program to help you write and complete your book. We have sponsors for this show, and I would like to make you aware of a very, very, very important fact. You're going to ask me what this has to do with your book, and I'm going to tell you that 97% of Americans do not get enough fiber. What does that have to do with writing my book? Well, if you don't get enough fiber... You could drop dead from obesity, diabetes, cancer, cardiovascular disease. I didn't know that. I didn't know there was such a link. But there is a product called Just Better, created by a Seattle nutritionist. She has offered this tasteless powder that you can add. You can even put this in your wine. 
There, there is nothing tasty about it. It just dissolves completely, has no flavor, doesn't even have a color to it. But you get amazing results. You get an instant upgrade on your health. And you can find this at Amazon.com. It is called Just Better. I love it. I think it's wonderful. And since cardiovascular disease is in my family, I've made a very good choice. We are talking today with Kelly McNellis, and we have talked a lot about her lovely book, Your Messy Brilliance. I want to encourage you to go to Amazon and pick up a copy of that. But it's time for us to kind of shift gears here and get into the truth-telling tour that she is all about, as well as these messy, brilliant retreats. So I'm going to let you just take it away, Kelly. What is going on there? <laughs> well, first I want to explain what Women for One is. That I started it in 2011 um, because I just wanted to write and work with women. That's all I knew. So I worked with a coach like you, Debbie, and um, really got clarity around what I wanted to be doing and just followed my intuition, which is one of the tools in my book, really followed my inner guide. It was like a soul project for a while. It wasn't about having a business at first. I just wanted to, to write about um, great things women were doing because I came from the nonprofit world. And slowly but surely, six months later, I was following my intuition and thought, I need to let women share their stories from all over the world. And the minute I did that, Women for One became this container that held stories from over in the last nine, almost 10 years now, I guess it's been nine this year, um, over 50 countries women have shared stories from. And we have over a thousand truth tellers on our site. And as I call them, truth tellers. And they have submitted stories from everything from parenting to divorce to relationships to health to loss to entrepreneurship. I mean, it's everything. And it's so incredible because I find, Debbie, that, you know, I love the Me Too movement. I love Time's Up. I think it's wonderful that women are claiming their voices. And, not but, but and, we as women have so many more experiences and stories that we need to share and want to share with one another and come together in sisterhood like we used to around the campfire, right? Yeah. And, and, and share and connect so we feel less alone and we feel more connected and heard and seen. So that's really why I started Women for One. And that's where the book came from and my courses. And just recently, last year, I um, decided after my book tour that I wanted to try something new out where women really speak um, from the spoken word. And so the way I call, what I talk, when I talk about truth teller tours, we've done one in Boulder, Colorado, and one in Atlanta. And when I talk about them, think about like a TED Talk, but from the heart with sisterhood. Because TED Talks come from the brain. It's wonderful. These incredible ideas. People come and they speak about their idea. Fabulous. But this is more heartfelt. This is women coming together. In the audience, they're holding a space for the women on the stage, releasing a story of wisdom they gain from something tragic that's happened to them or exciting or beautiful or powerful. And they are literally the most amazing events. I, I feel like I'm just honored that it kind of women for one created this through me 
because mm-hmm. you know, in Boulder, we had several hundred women come to my very first one. We had seven women speak their stories. Um, Atlanta, we did it inside a national women's conference. And now in Seattle, we are doing it um, for the Pacific Northwest Truth Teller Tour in April, at the end of April 28th, on a Sunday evening at Kirkland Performing Center. We had over 100 applications to speak, submissions to speak at our event. And what does that tell you, Debbie? It tells you every single woman wants to be heard. They want to speak their truth. It's amazing. For sure. So we just, we just um, selected seven to speak, but we invited all of the women that shared to come to our event and walk up on stage, say their name and the theme of their story, because I really want all women to feel that there's no winners. You know, we're mm-hmm. just trying to represent a diversity of subjects and, and diversity of our community. So that is what a tour is about. It's about coming back together, speaking your truth, and being supported by other women in the sisterhood. Oh, fantastic. And, mm-hmm. and again, it, it comes back to this idea that while we are embracing these imperfect lives, we, we see this commonality and, and we are drawn to kind of the sisterhood of intimacy and how we yeah. connect and how we share. And I, I'm often asked to share my story about being albino and what does it mean to have 20% of my eyesight and to have mm-hmm. taught at a college when I was told I would never go to college. You know, the mm-hmm. the, wow. the story of, I, I see it as just part of my life, whereas others see it as very unique. So, so right. the truth teller has to remember that the audience might see her one way while she feels her own way about it. It gets really complex, but because we share it, the complications all fall away and intimacy takes over. So true. It's so there, true. There's just such intimate events. Um, we learn as, as the, the witness to these women's stories. So, and I just love, okay, this is my third event. We're also doing several others this year in New York, North Carolina, and at universities now with young women, which I'm really excited about. But um, as soon as I announced, we just announced it today, who we chose as speakers, but they knew last week and they were all excited. And I put an email together saying, we're going to announce it tomorrow. Please share it on social. They all started responding all, replying all, here we go. And they don't know each other. One's from California, one's from Montana, and the rest are from the Seattle area. And they're all like, already bonded, saying, I'm so honored to be doing this with you. And it just, literally, I start crying thinking about it. These women are so amazing. And we also have, we have a young 11-year-old that we chose to speak this year. So it's really cool to have a young woman uh, submit to speak that had, uh, has dyslexia that uh, wrote about her story. So we selected her as well. Oh, fantastic. That's wonderful. Yeah. And you're mm-hmm. offering a code that if people write in, you are offering a discount for the tour and for the retreat. So can you tell us what's the difference? Um, What do you mean the difference? I think it's a 15% discount code I think we talked about. Uh Uh-huh. And and we wrote down one would be for the tour and one would be for the retreat. I had thought that they were all Uh, one thing. I, um, no, the retreat, oh, what's the difference? Okay, I didn't understand your question. The retreat is the same weekend as the tour. Okay. And it's a more, much more intimate gathering where 
Um, I am facilitating retreat. It's, it's getting full right now. It's an incredible event. We're having it at the Heathman Hotel, April 26 to 28. And we're taking my book and breaking it down and bonding together as women um, to work the tools and dive into our stories and address our belief systems. Um, it's, it's perfect for your audience because it's what yeah. you believe in, Debbie. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. really about looking at your story and, and discovering your voice and your power and your joy. Oh, wonderful. So tell us the dates again for that. April 26th to the 28th. And then the tour follows several hours later that evening, two blocks down the road. So the, the retreat participants can go and witness the tour as well. Awesome. Okay, mm-hmm. listeners, if you're thinking that that is for you, all you need to do is write to me, Debbie at CoachDebbie.com, and that's D-E-B-B-Y at CoachDebbie.com, and I will give you the secret code. We only have so many to go around. <laughs> yeah, so get on that right in because you want to be a part of this. We only have a few minutes left, so I want to... Oh, no, did I lose my screen? I want to address a really incredible question here uh, from Jill. Um, takes my newsletter from Spokane, Washington. She writes in and says, Thank you for your newsletter. My sister gave me this book, and I love it. I'm at the part right now where she talks about the shaky knees of shame that happen sometimes before giving a speech. She, she is you, Kelly. She talks about how hard it is to tell the truth, and it could be connected to family. I've had to stop reading because my mom died of a drug overdose that our entire family has to hide. Even though I am 36 years old, I understand that I am not to speak of it, but here I am speaking of it in this email. I don't really understand why it has to remain such a huge secret. It's kind of, it kind of made sense at the funeral, but that was so long ago. I've thought of approaching my dad about it, but it scares me. I don't want to make him feel ashamed all over again. When you have her on your show, can you ask her how I can get unstuck? Mm. That's so beautiful. How vulnerable of a question is that? It's just amazing. Yeah. And it, it, it just sounds like, you know, he was a, a, she wants to be truthful with herself and her family. And I actually, it made me um, tear up listening to her because I, I'm from a family of, as I call them in the book, um, many of my family, they're secret keepers. And it, I think it comes from a long line of shared family agreements that has happened. And a lot of them are unspoken, just like she, she spoke about. It's just, this is what we do. We don't, we don't look at the mess. We avoid the mess. We, we don't, you know, address any of any of the of the challenges in our lives and you know i i can't tell her what to do but what i can tell her is she's on the right path by really having that yearning to get truthful with herself about what happened and connect with family members to to heal her family so i think she's on the right road and every situation is different Mm -hmm. but keep being truthful and be true to yourself and learn the lessons you need to learn from what happened Thank you for your honesty and your courage. 
Yeah, Jill, you um, you pointed out that you are receiving this newsletter over there in Spokane, Washington. So another thing I'd like to encourage you to do is think about Kelly's retreat because it sounds like getting uh, in connection with like-minded women that are embracing story, that are courageous about their story, that are available to to listen and to collaborate around story, maybe that's exactly what you need. And maybe that would break some of your personal silence of feeling alone. So I always like to really just, when, when I get a real deep, heartfelt question, make sure that we have time for that. So thank you for for getting that in. We've just got three minutes left here. Any final shout outs you'd like to make for us, Kelly? Anything we need to Oh, I just want all women to understand that they're all so brilliant and to trust themselves as much as possible as they move forward in their lives and to know that there are other women out there that have your back and to find your sisterhood and keep speaking your truth and look, uh, look for the truth, speak it, and embrace your messy brilliance. Oh, very, very nice. Kelly, thank you for being with me today. Thank you so much for doing what you do. I really am honored to be here. Oh, wonderful. I'll have you back. <laughs> Everyone else, I want you to get out there and get Kelly McNellis's book, Your Messy Brilliance. And if you're thinking you've got some messy brilliance in you that would make a fabulous story, you should call me up because I can help you identify what that story really is and get through some of that mess and bring out your brilliance. So I am at CoachDebbie.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y.com. And I can help you through one-on-one coaching or a 90-day accelerator course or a workshop or just maybe a little phone call. Or maybe you already have a book and you want to come to the studio. It's nice here. It's really nice. And you get to meet Eric. (laughs) Who's all smiles. So we'll be back next Thursday, 4 o'clock, for another episode of Story You Talk Radio. Namaste, my friends. 